I want to read a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul is uh, talking about the resurrection. And he says, For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. And you just look at that that passage, and he says, you know, of all the things of the gospel... Of first importance is this, that Christ died for our sins and then was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then that he appeared to all these people that are documented in uh, throughout history. I've been uh, listening to uh, an audio book um, that if it was in print, it's about this thick. And uh, major um, history of Abraham Lincoln called Team of Rivals. And I have been struck, as I've gone through that, of some of the spiritual responses that Abraham um, Lincoln had to the events of his presidency. And today, one of, the, one of the things that I want to do is proclaim the Easter resurrection message by taking a look at its impact on the life of Abraham Lincoln. As a 16th president of the United States. He was born in uh, 1909 in um, the midst of a great revival in Kentucky under the evangelist Peter Cartwright. Uh, Tom Lincoln happened to be there, and Tom Lincoln got saved at that revival meeting. Nancy Hanks was also at that revival meeting and got saved a different night and um, and the two of them got introduced to each other, and they got engaged, and eventually they were married. And uh, then they had Abraham Lincoln. Um, Nancy became a wonderful, godly mother to Abraham Lincoln, and she would sit Abraham down on her knees um, every day and teach him from the scriptures and encourage him to memorize the scriptures. And she really emphasized in particular to him the Ten Commandments and how important it was for him to know them. And she would recite them day after day um, with Abraham sitting on her on her knees. When Abraham was only nine, though, Nancy died. She got sick and she died and she called um, Abraham to her side just before she died. And she said, I'm going away from you now, Abraham and I shall not return. I know that you will be a good boy and that you will be kind to your father. And then she said this, I want you to live as I have taught you to love your heavenly father. And then she spoke her very last words on earth. She spoke them to Abraham and she said, and I want you to keep his commandments. Nancy Hanks Lincoln had um, a profound effect upon Abraham Lincoln especially with his respect for the Ten Commandments. There were many times throughout his early life when he faced a number of temptations, and every time he would hear his mother in his memory recite those Ten Commandments, and so often that is what kept him from straying. And and, um, he, he would just hear his mother 
you know, saying those Ten Commandments over and over again in his mind. As a result of that, part of that was that he became known as the most honest lawyer east of Chicago, or China, east of China, even to the extent that he had a reputation for um, when he was, you know, in, in the courtroom, um, helping his opposing lawyers remember their arguments <laughs> and all of that. Um, Lincoln also had a great regard for the Sabbath. In fact, when he became president and was in the middle of the Civil War, one of the things that he did is that he kept his generals from starting any new initiatives or campaigns on the Sabbath day. Um, even when it seemed urgent, when they were finally ready, nearing the end of the Civil War, and they were finally ready, the Union Army was finally ready to go to Richmond, Virginia, and um, head out. Um, the general thought it was really important that they head out on Sunday morning to get to Richmond, and he went. He knew how Lincoln would feel about that, so he went and made a special appeal to Lincoln, and Lincoln sat there silent for a long time, and then he looked at General Grant, and he said, General, take a good rest, and then head out on Monday morning. <laughs> no doubt that Abraham Lincoln was a great moral man. But a moral man does not make you a Christian. You can obey all the Ten Commandments and be very, very moral and not be a Christian. Listen to Abraham Lincoln's own words. I am not a Christian. God knows I would be one. In spite of being good, honest, moral, Abraham Lincoln spent the most of his life being a skeptic, due especially to the agnostic and skeptical friends that he had, and through a book that they introduced to him which tore apart the Bible, even though it's been since repudiated all the way through that book. There's two presidents that we have had over the course of our nation's history that have not claimed a particular denomination, Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln grew up attending church with his mother and then his stepmother, and they went to kind of a, a hell, fire, and brimstone preaching Baptist church. And um, his stepmother in particular liked to take the family all the way up to the very front row, and that's where they sat week after week, and Abraham Lincoln would listen to those, those messages there. But it wasn't until the later part of his presidency that he became really faithful on his own uh, in church attendance, and he became faithful uh, Sunday morning and Wednesday night at the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church, and Dr. Gurley was his pastor um, at the end of his presidency. But just being involved and faithful in a church does not make one a Christian, and it did not make Lincoln a Christian. Lincoln thought himself one of the ugliest men in all the world. In fact, one, one morning he got up, looked in the mirror, and looked at himself and said, if I ever find a man uglier than me, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> he, he thought he should put him out of his misery. <laughs> He was six foot four, and that isn't anything in today's culture, but back in that day, 
that made him stand head and shoulders above everyone else in a world of midgets. He had horribly long arms, huge, gigantic hands, a lock of hair up on his forehead that he just couldn't seem to do anything with, and he had deep, dark eyes, surrounded by grayish-yellow skin that just never, ever looked healthy. One day, as he was trying to find someone to marry, and he was attempting to date a young lady, the young lady turned and looked at him, and she said, Abe Lincoln, you are illiterate, self-opinionated, overbearing, and abdominally ill-mannered. She obviously liked to beat her on the bush. <laughs> Lincoln decided after that occasion that he would change himself. And so he decided to go back to his mother's Bible. And he pulled out Nancy's Bible. And he began to just read through it. And he, he focused on the Sermon on the Mount. And he began asking the question every time he went to the Bible, what kind of of man does God want me to be? What does God want a man to be? And he began to work on that. She had accused him of being illiterate. And so Abraham Lincoln became the most literate president that we have ever had. He is known for reciting large pieces of Shakespeare without any Anything around him, just being able to recite it, roll, let it roll off his tongue for whatever occasion came along. She had accused him of being proud and overbearing, and yet he became one of the humblest presidents that we have ever had. She had said that he was ill-mannered, and yet he became known as a president, that if you ever talk about a president who, who emphasized forgiveness and clemency and all of that, it is Abe Lincoln who was all of that. Mary Todd Lincoln, whom he did marry, was a very high society woman who never developed much of an appreciation for Abraham Lincoln, thought he was clumsy and ill-mannered also. <laughs> but even in his growth in all of that, he handled that and handled that criticism with a lot of grace. But even with continual growth in grace, in culture, in manners, and all the other changes that Abe Lincoln was trying to bring about in his life to become the man that God wanted him to be, that did not make him a Christian. Lincoln mastered the Bible. I would say based on my reading and what I've seen, he mastered the Bible far more than I have in my lifetime. He memorized thousands and thousands of verses and whole chapters of it at a time that he could just recite to anyone who came in the room with something. He could just recite a whole chapter of, of the Bible as it related to whatever he thought it related to. And, he, and so he would quote it. He lived the Bible better than most people live it. But even the Bible did not make Abraham Lincoln a Christian. Salmon P. Chase was his secretary of the treasury and therefore a cabinet member all the way through his first term as president. Um, and, but Salmon P. Chase was running an underground campaign to replace Lincoln as the president. 
and he wanted all the way through for almost through his whole first term, Chase had intended to become the next president, and he was always working underground trying to cause that to happen. And as they drew next to that election in in, uh, 1864, Chase held a campaign event, again thinking that he was doing this without Lincoln knowing anything about it. Chase held a campaign event where there were more than a thousand people expected to be at that event. But only 400 people came. Somebody came in and reported that to Lincoln. And Lincoln said, well, that reminds me of 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 2. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. <laughs> and he just takes and, t- and throws out that verse of scripture that related to David as he started to build his, his mighty men and all of that in 1 Samuel and applies it to that circumstance. But it was in 1863 that Abraham Lincoln faced the greatest trials of his life. And there were two major trials that happened that year in his life. First, his little son, Willie, got sick. He laid in a bed for nearly a month. And every day seemed to get worse and worse, and finally he died, and he was the apple of Lincoln's eye. Lincoln was so overwhelmed with grief that even as president in the middle of the Civil War, he took every Thursday and refused to see other people, closed himself off in the room in the White House where Willie had died, locked the door and grieved and wailed and mourned week after week after week. It turned into months and months and months of Abraham Lincoln going in that room where Willie had died and just grieving, refusing to eat, refusing to see people or any of that. Abraham Lincoln had never, ever believed Even with all of his scripture reading, even with all of his mother's teaching and all of that, he had never believed in life after death. He had never accepted the resurrection as a fact. Ward Lamont, his personal secretary and his bodyguard, wrote that the melancholy or sadness that dripped from him as he walked was due to his want or lack of religious faith. Mary Todd Lincoln had a pastor from New York that was a good friend of hers, and he came down to visit them, Dr. Vinton. And he was there over one of these Thursdays and watched Abraham Lincoln and heard him from outside the door weeping and wailing over his son, Willie. And when he got a chance, he talked to Lincoln and he said, this is not right for you to mourn like this for your son. He said, your son is alive in paradise with Christ, and you must not continue this. Lincoln sat there as though he was in a stupor for quite a while. And then his mind kind of caught on to those words that Dr. Vitton had said, and he exclaimed, alive? Alive? Surely you mock me. Dr. Vitton said, 
Mr. President? No. This is a great doctrine of the church. Jesus himself is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. And Lincoln got up out of his chair and leaped to his feet, threw his arms around his pastor, and he wept openly and sobbed, and he said, Alive! Alive! My boy is alive! And from that day on, there began to be a dramatic transformation in the life of Abraham Lincoln. But he was not yet a Christian. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I told you there were two things that happened in 1863. There were the greatest trials of his life. The first was the loss of his son Willie, but the other one was the Battle of Gettysburg. You can imagine a town of 2,400 people having 165,000 soldiers come to it to meet on the battlefield. 165,000, including Confederate and Union soldiers, about evenly matched. Of those 165,000 soldiers, 7,058 were killed. 33,264 were wounded. 10,790 were missing. And over 5,000 horses were dead on the Gettysburg Field. One of the, the caretaker that was in charge of one of the cemeteries, his wife was pregnant. She herself, while she was pregnant, dug herself 100 of the graves for those 7,000 soldiers that had died. Lincoln went to Gettysburg. It was the biggest battle that has ever been fought on American soil. And he went there and he walked through those fields. He saw the dead horses, the dead people. He watched men without arms and without legs and, and all kinds of, of wounds and all of that. He saw it all and he walked through all of that. And while he was walking the killing fields of Gettysburg, the president himself was born from above. The president finally had a transforming faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a, a pastor from Illinois that came and talked to Lincoln and boldly asked him, Mr. President, do you love Jesus? And after a very long pause, Mr. Lincoln said, when I left Springfield, I asked people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and I saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. And yes, sir, I do love Jesus. It was the loss of his son and all the losses of Gettysburg 
And after all of that, Lincoln told his pastor, Dr. Gurley, that he had lost confidence in everything in life except for God. In the next year and a half after Gettysburg, his spiritual understanding just mushroomed. It it matured greatly. Every message he gave after that point is just peppered with scripture throughout it. His second inaugural address, one of England's great leaders said, is not only the most spiritual speech ever given by any statesman in the world, but in my opinion, it is a far better sermon than most any I have ever heard preached in a pulpit. The Civil War ended April 9th, 1865 on a Saturday, the day before Palm Sunday. General Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant at Appomattox, and Lincoln had made arrangements following that with Dr. Gurley at his church on New York Avenue Presbyterian Church to make a public profession. And, and Lincoln would often sit in, there was a little room right off um, the, the corner of the, the chancel um, there in the church, and Lincoln would often sit in there so he didn't disturb other people, but he would sit in there and listen. And he, he had planned on Easter Sunday to become a member of the church and to make a public profession of his faith for the first time in his life on Easter Sunday, April 17, 1865. But in the days leading up to that, that week, Lincoln did a number of profound things as president. He announced that he was submitting a proclamation for a national day of thanksgiving to God just three days before his death. In the last meeting with his cabinet on Thursday morning, Monday, Thursday, in opposition to the strongly held opinions of his whole cabinet, or most of them, he said there will be no recriminations against the South. They wanted to punish the South. And Lincoln stood firm and said there will not be any. His last act the last thing Lincoln did as President of the United States was to issue an edict that henceforth on every coin would be printed the words, In God We Trust. That night, Monday, Thursday, April 14th, 1865, Lincoln, who often went to Ford's Theater, That was kind of his getaway from the war and from everything else. He would go to Ford's Theater. And um, he went that night to Ford's Theater with his wife. And he went to see a play that he wasn't even all that interested in. He was thinking about the future. He was thinking about how to bring the South back into the Union. And he was thinking about all these things and what he could do now with his life and all of that. And he sat in his chair in the presidential box that was supposed to be guarded by a soldier. But that soldier left his post to go across the street to a tavern to have a drink of beer. While he went there, John Wilkes Booth left that tavern after having several drinks of beer, quietly came across the street, walked up, opened the door, 
and walked right in to that unguarded door to the president's box and walked right in. Lincoln was not paying attention to the play at all. He was talking to his wife. He said, Mary, do you know what I would like to do now? Now that the war is over, we could go to the Near East. Booth stepped up behind the president and Lincoln continued. We could go to Bethlehem where he was born. We could go visit Bethany where those hallowed steps were so often heard and Booth pointed his gun at the back of Lincoln's head and Lincoln continued talking to Mary and we could go up to Jeru and bang. The history of the United States was changed forever. It was not until the next day on Good Friday early in the morning that Abraham Lincoln died. Easter came that year and in pulpits all across the United States, the faith of Abraham Lincoln was what was proclaimed across the pulpits that Easter Sunday. It was the death of his beloved son, Willie, the graves of thousands and thousands of soldiers at Gettysburg that led Abraham Lincoln to true faith in the core message of the gospel, that Jesus came, that he died for our sins on a cross so that you and I might have eternal life and abundant life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Indeed, our God is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living. I want to say to you this morning that if Christ had not risen, then there was no hope in the death of Willie and all the reason in the world to lock yourself in Willie's room and mourn every Thursday. Romans 6 verse 5 says, For if we have been united with him in his death, like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then thousands of believers over the course of the last 2,000 years have offered themselves as martyrs for their faith for a simple hoax. If Christ has not risen from the dead... There is no explanation for the explosive growth of Christianity right after his resurrection. If Christ has not risen from the dead, there is no explanation for the dramatic transformations that happened in those disciples who had been so fickle, who had denied, betrayed, questioned. They just couldn't get their act together before the resurrection. And then after the resurrection, they are totally transformed dramatically to the point where they die as martyrs for what they believe. And they believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is what they preached everywhere they went. And if Christ has not risen, then there's no explanation for all the historically documented um, appearances of the risen Christ throughout even secular history documenting that they saw Christ again. 
Jesus says to us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him or to her. I want to ask you this morning, would you like to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Jesus came into Abraham Lincoln's life just about a year and a half before he was shot to death. But he came in to him while he was walking through the fields of Gettysburg. Dead soldiers and dead horses weighing everywhere. I don't know where you are, but God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through and all the things that come into your life and all of that. But what I know is this, that Jesus is interested in every one of us and he wants to offer us eternal life so that when we die, we are going to live a resurrected life like the Lord Jesus Christ. You can start that life by saying simply this prayer that's up on the screen with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for forgiving me my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the person that you desire to make me. Amen.